Hi, it's Sarah and Beth from Pantsuit Politics. And we are begging you to ACAST your vote in the upcoming election on November 3rd. If you aren't sure if you've registered, check out vote.org where you can get your voter status and details on how to make sure your voice is heard on election day. And if you're looking to brush up on the issues on your way to the polls, there are lots of shows that you can check out to make sure that you're informed, including No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen. That's a great way to stay informed and make sure you're thinking through everything as you head to the polls. So make sure that you are registered. Make sure you know when and how to vote. Make sure that you know what you want to say when you make your voice heard and get out there and ACAST your vote. Hey guys, Sammy here. So this podcast that you're about to listen to was recorded before Fulham decided to sign Mario Lamina and Harrison Reed on a Sunday evening on a bank holiday weekend. I mean, could there be a more inconsiderate time to sign a couple of players? Personally, I think not. So in this podcast, we're going to talk as if they haven't been signed, but you know that they have been signed, which is obviously great news. Harrison Reed's a good player and Mario Lamina looks like an interesting prospect. We do talk about them in this podcast, but we talk about them like they haven't been signed. But all our words that we do say still apply, are still relevant, and we're very happy that they signed. Have a good day and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, and we are back for our fifth season behind the microphone. Hope you've all had a brilliant two-week summer break, and we are ready to go again for the 2021 season. It's quite a mouthful. Um, with Fulham back in the Premier League. My name's Sammy James, and I am joined by George Cooper. Hello who's last seen on WhatsApp when I checked this morning was 5.30am, so uh, <laughs> must more be, on that in a minute. It must be a worrying sight when you see that your podcast pundits are, have been up <laughs> into the small hours, but no, I'm here, um, a little bit worse for wear, but I made it, so what more Coops, you're always reliable, I was never worried at, in the slightest. Uh, George Singer, who definitely didn't have a late night, how you doing George? No, I'm, I'm good, I'm feeling nice, bright and breezy, had my coffee this morning all ready and raring to go, I'm like, the other two boys they're so smug it, listen to them yeah dickhead <laughs> <laughs> it is Fulhamish mug no less which you can buy from the Fulhamish shop and wearing the Fulhamish t-shirt as well oh wow he's got all the merch on today Don Betts what Fulhamish merch have you uh, have you got at the moment uh, none right there we go <laughs> nice. I'm, wearing a, I'm wearing a yellow t-shirt and tracksuit bottoms That's um, it. so unless, unless Fulhamish starts selling tracksuit bottoms then then we, then we can talk I'll see what I can do, Dom. Still, still waiting on the bucket hats as well. Yeah, buck, if, I, if there was bucket hats, that would definitely be on my head by now. George, get on it. All right. I'll, <laughs> do, I'll see what I can do. Dom, you are now Carl Shorten Athletic's biggest fan. Yes, three games in about a week. And I think there's a game on Tuesday and then follow, and next Saturday as well. When it, until so I'm you beat all of them? Yeah, until I'm allowed back at Fulham, I'm just going to go there because it's, it's live football. And yeah. it, it, to be fair, like the the, quality, the level of football has been quite decent. I'm, I know they've been friendlies, but the the quality of the games, like they felt like competitive league games. So no, it's, it's been been quite good just to get some live football. Maybe you should organise like a, a Fulhamish trip down to Carl Shorten Athletic. Yeah, c- yeah, can organise just as long as everyone buys tickets. 
Because uh, yeah, like, what, what did I, you think? We were no, going to scale I, the fence or something? No, no, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think you can buy more than one ticket per person. Oh, right, okay, I thought that. Because um, that's, <laughs> that's how that they... Tight. No, no, that, I think that's how they sort out the truck and trace sort of stuff. But no, no, it's been good. Um, there was probably, you know, 30-odd away fans from Tunbridge Day yesterday. Yeah, oh. It was a good game. Although somehow... What was the score? 2-1 uh, Tunbridge. It was somehow, I might have seen the worst miss of all time because I got a shortened player was about two yards out and put it out for a throw-in. That's not good. I would say Orlando Sar-esque. <laughs> All right, well, lots to discuss in today's episode. Uh, we'll have a bit of reaction to the fixtures which came out just over a week ago now. Uh, and of course, all the transfer rumours that are doing the rounds. It feels like we were linked with everyone in the world last week, but it didn't actually come to sign anybody. No doubt by the time this podcast is out, we'll have made seven signings and everything will be out of date. And then after the break, we got loads of questions in today. So we're going to devote a bit more time than usual uh, to some listeners questions Coops though I'll start with you fixtures came out last week and always exciting new league new fixtures and not so exciting with the fixture list when you can't be looking at where you're going to go and when and all of that but Arsenal we start the season 12.30 on Saturday on the 12th of September then we go to Leeds United then Aston Villa comes to the cottage uh, and then in October it's Wolves away Sheffield United away Palace at home West Brom at home Uh, Coops that's a fairly generous start. Obviously, Arsenal's going to be a tough one, but following that, there's some chances to pick up some points early doors. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I feel like the first game of the season is always a bit of an anomaly and think that anything can happen just because, especially with, you know, we going sort of pre-COVID times, I just I feel like it's anyone's choosing. So that'll be, uh, be fun, a, a lively start. And, you know, Arsenal will be looking... Newly promoted Fulham, probably going to give us a run for our money. But yeah, I mean, let's be realistic, probably not expecting any points there. But no, yeah, it should be good. I mean, obviously, your thoughts turn to the fact that we can't go. But I mean, with us being in the Premier League, all these games are going to be on television or well, most of them are we're going to be able to watch them so well you hope that's that's not a given George because at the moment there is still no announcement on what they're going to do about the non-televised games they've kind of cancelled the blackout for this season but but right now um, I heard a stat that there's only going to be three countries um, in the world where fans can't watch all the games it's North Korea Saudi Arabia and the UK as things stand <laughs> that's, that's so UK isn't it we'd like the, the last people to get our act together but I mean with season tickets and stuff they, they, I like you will I just feel like there will be a way that you can watch the games you know what I mean they sort of put out an announcement yesterday regarding season tickets but they didn't really, there still isn't any sort of substance or any information about what's going to happen in regard to obviously the non-televised games. Although I do find it funny that Leeds' first game back in the Premier League at Ellen Road is non-televised behind closed doors against us. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. they always dreamed of. <laughs> um, yeah. Singer, what's, what's your reaction to the fixtures? My worry is that the first two months on paper, there's a lot of winnable games. But Fulham traditionally especially in the past five to six years, have been slow starters. Even after restart, we were slow starters again. And if we haven't got a good amount of points by the time that October is finished, we'll look at a lot of opportunities blown and then a lot harder games are coming. I worry that we could be looking at another 18, 19 all again if we don't get our act together very quickly. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. If you look at them, so what we got Leeds away, Villa at home, Wolves away, Sheffield United away, like 
you know, obviously there's cliche alert. There's no such thing as an easy game in the Premier League. But if there are games where where we would hope to get points, a lot of them do come early on. I'm kind of especially looking at the Crystal Palace at home and the West Brom at home. And yeah, I think this is where a lot of... Um, uh, you know, we it's a it's a gripe with Fulham fans for the last kind of few years or, or so of getting our transfers in early. I think this season more than any, that's that's going to be crucially important because we're going to have to hit the ground running. Um, and if we've got players again coming in very last minute and pretty much coming straight from the uh, the medical into the first team, it's going to take them a while to gel. And and that's the really kind of as you said, the really crucial point of the season where we need to hit the ground running and get the points to hopefully lift ourselves kind of out of danger earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, if we take a look forward to the uh, the run-in as well, the run-in looks mighty difficult with Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea, Man United in the last kind of six or seven games or so. Um, and, you know, who knows? I think, is it Newcastle at home, the final game of the season? You know, I it's hope- always the last game of the season for Fulham, Newcastle at home. Yeah, it, it seems to be, doesn't it? And I think, you know, who knows, that that could be a, a pretty important game. Um, you know, it's it's likely two sides who are probably going to be there or thereabouts in the relegation scrap. So, you know, looking forward to um, to May, who knows, uh, who knows what that last game could mean. I mean, George, be optimistic. It could be night for 11 of Steve Bruce and Scotty Parker to find the odds once again with a lovely mid-table clash in the sunshine. <laughs> Think positive what it could be. Um, it could Dom, be, you're right. Um, you are a man that will look at fixture lists and already have your train map of the UK out um, armed with pins in it, no doubt. So it must have been quite a letdown for you the fixture list coming out this time it certainly was for me and I don't go to anywhere near as many away games as you do but that's part of the excitement of, of fixture list day is kind of almost seeing your schedule for the year of like oh, okay uh, yeah I'm up for West Brom away in March or, or something like that but it just feels with especially a bit there being absolutely no time scale for a full stadia and as particularly away fans going to games I don't know. Some of the magic was really lost for me on on fixture release day. Yeah, I, I, I looked at it and I, I was looking at sort of like what games we could potentially see at home and that. But like again, I, it was it was it was sort of, I wasn't hugely bothered. It was more seeing do we have a tough run in? Do we have an easy start? More than oh, where am I going in the, in the depths of December? Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no. It, it, I was interested to see sort of what what our start was and what our finish was. But yeah, again, it wasn't as pleasing. And I, I've, 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 I've actually always said this. I enjoy the Championship fixture release there more than the Premier League one, just because you you you've, you've probably because you just got so much more to book usually when when it's announced. And and I think and obviously you got so many teams in London in the Premier League. But as you say, with I don't see away fans being able to attend this season. I'm probably looking towards next se- season after to um before away fans are let in but you know we could we could hope maybe maybe in the new year there might be something different if there isn't a second spike uh, in the winter but yeah it was it was a bit it was a bit sort of naff for me because obviously you know you won't be going to a lot of some of the games and if not most of the games but as as you said I think it is vitally important now looking at our fixtures 
that we have that quick start and we get off the mark early. And I, th- I think you know even getting a result away at Leeds could be could be crucial just to sort of bounce back against Villa a couple of weeks le- a couple of weeks after the Arsenal game in, in a very winnable game at Craven Cottage. So yeah, I think it is if we have a good start to the season that will lay the foundations. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying we're going to do a Sheffield United or anything like that, but I'm saying that if we get it, we, it just gives us at least a solid base and foundation to to sort of push on and have a have a more sort of survival based season instead of rotting at the bottom like it was in 1819. Yeah, I just remember last time in 1819 there were quite a lot of winnable games in that opening 3 or 4 months. The one that stands out for me was when we got humbled by Bournemouth in October and 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 we lost 3-0 and I remember thinking I think this is going to be a really rough season if we're blowing all of our easy-ish games at home. So fingers crossed we can um, get off to a bit of a quicker start. The one that will be a massive disappointment if we can't go to games properly by then is if um, Tottenham Hotspur away, 28th of December, going to that new ground, one that I'm really keen to do and I just think it's probably going to come a bit soon for us to probably be able to go to the matches away fans. So, I mean, yeah, keep fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. Relaxing. <laughs> Come on, Oxford University. You can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Pull out the bag, boys. Also in time for in time for Man City at home. Who knows? We could have Lionel Messi at the cottage. So 13th of March, if they can get their act together for that. Well, if Tony Khan's read my article, Singer, then we could have Lionel Messi at the cottage, not for just one game, but for all games. If uh, if anyone's actually uh, read my article about why Lionel Messi should join Fulham. And yes, I am deadly serious um, <laughs> about that. Give it a read on the Fulhamish website. So let's have a look at who might be coming through the door at Craven Cottage. One confirms transfer. So let's get on to that first. Uh, here's to you, Anthony Robinson, um, a left back. He's joined from Wigan. Uh, we paid two million pounds. Really nice to see that actually Fulham paid a bit over the odds of what they were needing to pay for Anthony Robinson um, because of, of, of Wigan's plight at the moment. And we paid it all in one go. So really nice touch by the Khans there because Wigan are in dire straits at the moment. And uh, if you haven't donated to the Wigan Supporters Club fund yet, then I really strongly urge you to do so. Even if it's a five or a tenner, you know, we were once in Wigan's situation. We were once bucket collecting for the future of our club. And that's currently what Wigan Athletic are going through at the moment. And I think there is an intrinsic link between Wigan and Fulham. There always has been the way we rose up the leagues, the way that we basically rattled the Premier League for for several years by having no away supporters. There's always been a bit of a link between our two clubs and um, it's really sad to see what they're going through at the moment. So five or ten or whatever you can spare to to their fund. I think they've raised £350,000 so far. They're looking to raise half a million, so they're not far off it yet. Um, But anyway, I digress. Anthony Robinson's joined from Wigan. Um, Singer, what did you think uh, of this signing? He's a man that comes with um, great pedigree. A a lot of people are big fans of his. Yeah, very, very sensible signing and and a very shrewd one as well. Um, If you think about the age um, and how much we've got him him for, like normally a young player in the English league, you know, they can cost a a huge amount of money. But um, yeah, certainly it it feels like we've got a great deal there. Um, I think all his numbers stack up pretty well. Um, I think it it might take him a little while to transition from a, um, I guess, a Wigan side who play a very different style of football to Fulham. So it'll be interesting to see how long long it takes him to kind of transition a little bit to our style of play. Um, But I think mainly what, what he gives us is he gives us a really 
um, a really strong alternative to Joe Bryan. Um, I think we've all said, I imagine Dom, you've uh, you've said it a hundred times before of how you know Joe Bryan not having anyone really pushing him for his place is is hampering his um, you know maybe his uh, his driving. Yeah, his quality I think you can bit. you can just see maybe if you just look at you know Cyrus Christie and Dennis Adore, I think they both sort of, they definitely pushed each other on last season to uh, perform better and, and sort of make that right by slot their own which in, they never did which I think you know it, I think that was that is has been Joe Bryan's biggest problem apart from sometimes in Neptune when it comes to defending is that it's he, yeah again he knew that left box uh, left back spot was pretty much his own he was out for a couple of games obviously we moved to Doy there but he never really had anyone challenging him for it and I think it's going to be a really interesting one because looking at the numbers like they they stack up pretty similarly um, obviously playing in the same league last year as well so I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see which of those two players gets the nod um, a fair few people have suggested. Um, pushing Brian or maybe pushing um, Robinson up to left wing. Not quite sure I like that, um, unless we're maybe, you know, 1-0 up against an Arsenal on the uh, the first game of the season with 10 minutes left, go for the old uh, shore up the back, six, seven men defending. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be great to see them push each other. Um, I think maybe Robinson is a, a bit of a longer term um, options. So it, it might be that Brian starts the season and we slowly see Robinson come into the squad a bit more and more. But yeah, considering how much we've got him for, um, assuming the wages aren't too high, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of that that signing. Yeah, and I mean, two million for a player that's 23, young, as you say. Well, he's not English, is he? He's, um, he's American, but... Uh, Still, a player that that's young and talented to sign him for under two million pounds in this day and age is is really Im- impressive business. And of course, Coops keeps the Fulham America or Full America bandwagon rolling. Exactly. Another man, another man from the states uh, at Fulham. It's it's great to see. Oh, absolutely love to see it flying that uh, that those those uh, stars and stripes keep keeping the dream alive. But um, yeah, I mean it's, we've spoken about the the long and illustrious past uh, and relationship between our club and and America, and it's it's nice. I, I just think it's such a nice subset of our fan base. And, you know, the, I mean the American supporters that, that we have, uh, it's just it's just great, and they're really sort of part of the Fulham family. And anything to kind of keep that keep that fire burning is it's uh, got the got the uh, thumbs up from my book yeah exactly funny enough I typed in um, Anthony Robinson into into Google and the first thing that comes up is Anthony Robinson welcome to Milan 2020 so um, maybe a bit presumptive from some AC Milan fan who has uh, who has made that video on YouTube right uh, let's come on to potential signings um, for Fulham and the one that we're all talking about and we all want to know about uh, is Harrison Reed from Southampton um, Dom, it's kind of been like, will it happen? Won't it happen? Will it happen? Won't it happen? There was definitely a point maybe a week or so ago when I was thinking, I don't know if it is, you know, I think Southampton are going to lowball us and particularly with Hoiberg leaving. But it seems like the sounds coming out of of Southampton are good that we're going to fix an eight million pound deal for him. Again, a, a transfer fee, which I'm like, what? Really? Eight million pounds? That seems quite good. Yeah, I think I think I think it's a move that sort of suits all parties really. It hasn't really, you know, 
featured for Southampton during his time there. He's had a lot of loan spells. He's had, I think he remember I a mean, good loan spell at Norwich, good loan spell at Blackburn. Obviously, he had a good loan spell at us last season. So, yeah, I think it. I think he he's found a home at Craven Cottage, and I think he he's the one who wants to move. Maybe more than we're trying to pursue a deal at the moment, but I, th- I imagine in the next coming week we will see the Harrison Reed deal and pro- probably the uh, Marilyn Mina deal concluded at the same time. But yeah, it, it was vital because realistically, he we don't really have another holding midfielder. Yes, I know we have Ken McDonald, but to be fair, I what I what what I see with Ken McDonald now is. Obviously, he did that podcast with Cy Ferry a few weeks ago and was talking about how, obviously, he started his coaching badge. So I'm not saying he's not not a player anymore. He's becoming a coach, but he's definitely going going into that sort of sphere. So I think it's, it's vital we do get Harrison Reed just so we actually have a hold in midfield at a club because, obviously, Harry Arter, although he didn't really play hold in midfield a huge lot, when he did play there, obviously, he's now back at Bournemouth. So I think, and, and if you look at our midfield, you know, now we haven't got Harrison Reina, we haven't got Lamina in, and we don't quite know what's happening with Seri and Anguissa. On the field, is looking quite light. So I think these two signings from Southampton uh, will be very key as to any success we have next season. Yeah, a singer, I saw a tweet, and I must admit, I don't exactly know where they stood in the stats world, but I, I think. It looked to me like um, a stats account which looks too much at stats and doesn't watch any single games of football ever. But they were quite was critical. It SW6, was it SW6 stats by any chance? It wasn't SW6 stats. Don't you worry, George. I love SW6 stats and whoever's behind that account. Um, no, they, they were they were criticising some of Harrison Reed's numbers and saying that he's not uh, does, his defensive output's not that great, nor is his attacking output. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on what I've seen. Is it absolute? baloney or is there actually sometimes a little bit of truth because to the naked eye to to me as a fan I think Harrison Reed's a wonderful footballer and absolutely instrumental to our system but um, we know how Fulham do look at stats and if there is some truth to what this account that I saw was saying then it could be a reason why we were kind of umming and ahhing over the deal. Yeah I I think um, I've um, I've posted something about Reed's kind of general output before i'll um i'll see if i can tweet it again maybe as this uh, this pod goes out um i think the, there's a couple of things to keep in mind here so one the the profile of the player obviously being more of a um kind of uh, defensive sit behind other midfielders his attacking numbers are never going to be that great um that's not really what he's there for so you know we can pretty much strike those numbers out um defensive wise obviously i don't know the exact tweet you're talking about but quite it's quite common to um do something called adjusting for possession kind of the idea is if you're a defender playing for man city and you have the ball twice as much as the opposition then you have less time to do defensive work so you kind of adjust for that in the numbers so you know it 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 might be something to uh, to keep in mind there um and then i think the other thing to keep in mind is his um his numbers when you're talking about kind of all recycling so less around creating chances but more about keeping the ball ticking short sideways passes um you know breaking the press and things like that i think that's something where harrison reed is really strong at um so so yeah i'd, I'd say from my point of view the numbers defensive wise and that kind of um you know ball recycling sides do look pretty decent um, certainly for a, for a championship midfielder. Um, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd certainly say for 8 million, um, assuming that's, uh, that's the right number for a young English, 
for a young Englishman, that that sounds pretty good to me. Um, if Southampton come out and say, oh, no, actually, we want 15 million, 20 million, 25 million, I think that's potentially when you think, okay, let's maybe look elsewhere. Um, yeah. You know, I think it really depends what, um, obviously, none of us really know what's happening behind the scenes. Um, clearly, there's a bit bit more going on than there necessarily was with the Cavern knockout deal when we seem to be able to just kind of trigger that whenever we wanted. That there's clearly some discussions going in the background which we're not privy to. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say from my side, his numbers look very strong for an £8 million signing. But if if the numbers do turn out to be higher than that, then we could probably get better value elsewhere. Yeah, and Coops, it it seems like a no-brainer that we do need to get Harrison Reed over the line sooner rather than later because it, with a man so integral to your setup, and of course I know that Harrison Reed will be able to slot back in. He already knows the club, the players, the the the, the kind of formation that Parker wants to play, but he needs a couple of weeks just to get ready for that Arsenal game with his teammates. We don't want Harrison Reed coming in two days before the Arsenal game and having to suddenly step into the side again without doing kind of any preseason with with his team yeah that's true and obviously like, I feel the way that Scott Parks are going to set up for this season is going to be entirely different to a championship season for, on, for so many reasons and I just yeah I, I, like Singer says there's obviously some discussions going on uh, behind the scenes but he's, he's as you say just integral to the way that we play and it seems in all the interviews that I've um, read of him talking about his time at Fulham he seems really comfortable and happy and yeah it's just it's just one that we just need to get done but the fact that he's obviously played with us last year it means that it's, it doesn't feel like a sort of a transfer and you haven't got that sort of embedding process and so it should be a lot more sort of like smooth and seamless but it makes it all the more important that we get it over the line but yeah hopefully it'll be close, close sooner rather than later and Coops, um, I'll come on to a player that is very much on Fulham's books right now, but there are rumours of him going away. And someone that I, I feel like you've you've very much um, planted your flag on this island of the fact that you are not an Anguissa fan. No. Um, so it looks to me like he's staying. I mean, Tony Khan has been very vociferal on Twitter whenever, well, basically Graham Bailey has been um, tweeting about Anguissa's signing and performances and whether he's staying or not I think Tony desperately wants Anguissa to stay um do you think that's a mistake still or do you still think or have you changed your mind in the fact that there might be some sense in keeping him I it's like it's I feel like I'm the only one in the Fulhamish group that just thought he was just pants like for the first few games that he played for us last season I wasn't even convinced he was a professional footballer like I just I I, I don't know whether it's like this big joke that everyone's sort of like playing on me behind my back and that people like genuinely do rate him because he was awful from for us like, uh, like when he played and I know he's had a good season on loan and um, I'm willing to give him another shot. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I wanted to see him do well. Like, it's not as if I have this sort of like blind hatred towards him, and I just want to see him fail. Like, I do want him to do well. But um, yeah, he's got a lot to, a lot of proving to do, in my opinion. And I mean, obviously, with the season that he's had, um, you know, in Spain, he's the performances have been very good from what I've heard. I, I don't I don't watch an awful lot of Spanish football, so I, I have to put my hands up and say that I haven't, you know, analysed his performances, but I've just heard sort of anecdotally from you boys that he's been good. But I mean, 
yeah, he, he, the sort of player that he is, and the word that he's supposedly is, <laughs> um, it, it would be great to have him back in the setup. But I, I, to be honest, I can't see, I can't see him coming back. I just feel like, I don't know, maybe that ship sailed with Fulham and Anguissa. He never looked happy, never looked settled. He never looked like he wanted to play for us. So, I just with me, I guess I've got this mental block with him. But I mean, I'm all, all, all for him proving me wrong. And but I, I personally can't see it happening. Um. George, um, I mean, Singer, you've been very um, like on board with, with Zambo and, and what he could add to this team. I'm fully on board with Zambo coming back into not just the, maybe, maybe the squad. I don't necessarily mean the starting 11 straight away. I think he needs to earn his place back in, in the starting 11. But I, I'm fully on board with, with him being given a second chance. And I know that you were tweeting some numbers um, about what, what he could do and, and particularly his defensive output. Yeah, sorry, Coop. So I'm uh, I'm very much in the uh, the Zambo in in camp here. Um, Zambone. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think certainly he there's a a lot of um, a lot of quality he can bring. Um, I think for me the key thing is putting him in the right system, um, being like a a bit more of a box to box midfielder. You know, great defensive output. Um, really good dribble numbers as well, especially for a central midfielder. Like he's he's great at bringing the ball forward. Um, but so much of at the start of last season, I'd, I'd agree with Coops that he was he was pants at the start of last season. But that's because we played him with Tom Kearney and Seri. Like you can't expect him to carry the midfield like that. Like his his numbers are good, but he's not he's not Jesus. Um, so so yeah, I think for me. Put him if you have him next to a Harrison Reed, who's a bit more stable, a bit more of kind of perhaps you could call him a bit of an anchorman, Harrison Reed, who will stay put and give uh, Zambo the freedom to run around a bit more. I think that will suit him, uh, and that's kind of more the system we played and Geeser in when he didn't he win like all of the Man of the Match awards at the end of the Premier League last season. Like he he went on this run of being voted Man of the Match pretty much every game. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm certainly keen to see him, uh, him come back. I, I think the really interesting one is, is the Lamina signing, um, yeah. their numbers and kind of their profile are, are so similar, really both of them being big defensive output, um, good solid on the ball with passes, um, and also both being pretty good at, at dribbling. So for me, that really suggests that, um, you know, we're probably going to go with one or the other, but I see it being a bit strange. Like, I think it's unlikely that we'd go with both. You don't, well, you don't quite need them both in the same starting 11. I'm not sure. It's like having two Stefan Johansons in the middle. Like, yeah, they're great at what they do, but actually you need, uh, you need something else in the midfield to, um, uh, to, to, you know, have a, a good balanced side. So obviously we don't know exactly what's going on with the discussions. I'd be surprised if we, ended up keeping both, i.e. keeping Anguissa and buying Lamina. Um, But we'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. I guess in an ideal world, you know, having both would be great from a squad depth point of view, but you just can't see Lamina and Anguissa being happy being at the same club at the same time, knowing that only really one of them can play on the pitch when they're two very, very talented players. I guess that's what it boils down to. We Fulham just is not a big enough club to be able to have two players of that quality in the same squad. Yeah, I definitely say so. And if Anguisa's the younger one, he's 
probably and the one with probably the higher glass ceiling like i imagine he'll be the one getting the nod most of the time so um so yeah and he'd be our permanent player rather than lamina which is probably going to be a loan if anything yeah exactly or a a loan to buy we've heard as well um i think lamina's 26 27 maybe so again it's someone in in their prime i don't know maybe it's um it's just kind of sure firing the midfield for a for a season like if we get him if we if the the numbers make if sorry the um if the money makes sense then yeah he's a he's a great player with lots of quality Lamina but yeah I, I think it's it's unlikely we're going to be seeing Zambo and Lamina in the same midfield next year. Yeah, I mean Dom Lamina is one of those players that if we do sign him on his day is is such a good midfielder, um, like so impressive, um, and, and his ability to kind of hold on to the ball and, and dribble, he, he's rapid when it, just at, at zero seconds notice he can go naught to sixty in no time at all. He's got brilliant acceleration, but we've heard about his attitude problems. We've heard that he only turns up one in every six or seven games and. Fulham doesn't really have room for a player that only turns up when he wants this season. We're going to be struggling enough as it is. It's going to be a tough old season for us where 17th is a major, major achievement. Do we want a player like Mario Lamina in the side who would be on loan and not feeling a huge amount of affinity to the club and, and, and his known attitude problems? Then again, Tony Khan has made a bit of a success of signing players that have not great reputations. Uh, he often talks about obviously Mitrovic. He talks about Stefan Johansson coming into the club, nurturing them and giving them and showing them some love and, and reaping the rewards lots of times. So maybe Tony thinks he can do it again with Lamina. Yeah, I mean, because it, w- it, would, it would just be down to Tony. It wouldn't be down to anyone else, according to the most <laughs> no, stuff he No, no, but you know, um, I know, I but, know. But you get what I mean. He, he likes buying yeah, no, these players. How many, how many, ti- can how many times in recent years have we been told that players who sign, oh, you got to watch out for their attitude and they've been fine when they've come to the club. So there's clearly something at the club which these so-called, you know, not dodgy players to that extent, but, you know, players with maybe an attitude problem or different, different types of problems, they seem to sort of, do well for a club so maybe, maybe it's something that makes sense for me with Angisa I think we should sell him because I think we need to raise funds somehow with transfer window and he is one of our sellable assets like if, you, if you're able to sell him for let's say £25 million and you're able to walk, get the rumoured fee apparently for John McElseri to Galatasaray is about £8 million I think it is we do need to raise some funds somewhere because you know we can't just spend willy nilly and then not raise any money ourselves. So I think that's one one place where I think Angis comes in just because we do need to raise funds. And I think with the signing of Lamina, it, it, it does sort of signify to me that it could be possible that Angis is off. I know they're both not back in pre-season training yet, whether that's down to them not coming back ever or whether that's they, they've been, they have to quarantine. Obviously, you know, Angis are coming back from Spain. I don't think there's any quarantining for Seri coming back from Turkey. But... Um, yeah, I th- I think Lam- with with Reed and Lamina coming in, I can't quite see us having Angisa in the mix as well because you you expect us to play. I'd I'd maybe say Angisa over Lamina, but I mean I'm, I'm not I'm not too sure. But then why would we be signing a player on loan who's not going to play? And I think with the deal, it's if we avoid relegation, then the the move would be made permanent. But yeah, I think with si- if we are going to sign Lamina, I think it does mean we are looking to sell. Um, Angisa this window I don't really trust anything that Tony Khan says on Twitter so anyway so I I, th- I think you, you, you we'll see we'll see what happens with that but yeah yes it would be great to have them both in the squad I just don't think that's going to happen really 
Yeah, the uh, Tony Khan, Graham Bailey ding dong on Twitter has been uh, one of the more interesting battles on the Bird app this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, a slightly odd rumour that came out of left field at the end of last week, um, Coops, was Paolo Gazzaniga coming in to, to Fulham. And, and this one looks like a fairly reputable rumour. Of course, he's been Spurs' backup keeper for as long as I can realistically remember. Um and a few people worried by this deal because it would probably signify that Marks Bettinelli is going to leave the club. I kind of expected that to happen anyway, but we know what happened last time we were in the Prem. We had three goalkeepers. We didn't know which one to play and that uncertainty really, really didn't help us defensively. So, but but from my point of view, I just see Gazaniga as a really able deputy to, to Marek Rodak and someone that will push Marek Rodak. Because as we talked about with Joe Bryan, you need someone in your position who realistically can take the gloves off of you. And I just don't think that Marcus Bettinelli is serious competition to, to Marek Rodak anymore. So interested to get your thoughts on this, Coops. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. When I saw it, it kind of, uh, as you said, I, we, you think if he does come to us, he'll be a, a kind of an understudy. But, you know, realistically... There's, there's going to be competition there but it sort of like had shades of maybe Pascal Zubabula do you remember him? Um, I think Gazaniga is in a slightly uh, better <laughs> standing of goalkeeper than Zubabula but yeah I get what you mean <laughs> I, meant, I meant more like a sort of uh, a coach and a guardian and hopefully um, he can really bring the best out of Rodak but I mean I, I think it goes without saying that Rodak starts he, you know he, and he's more than earned his his uh, number one jersey, but um, but yeah, I, I'm. It's, and the main sadness that comes out of it is obviously it, it will mean that Marcus will 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 probably move on. But I just I I want all the best for Marcus Benelli. I absolutely love him, and he obviously loves Fulham. It will be sad to see him go, but he deserves to be playing first team football and and to really get the best out of his career. So I, I think although although it would be sad to see him go it would be good to you know see him actually excel at another club and but I mean yeah bring bring this keeper on I've, I've seen it he was very good from what I've seen when he when he does um sort of step up for Spurs so yeah okay well I mean for me I'm still a little bit concerned as to where the hell our centre-back rumours are because currently right now it's looking like Tim Ream or Maxime Lamarchon versus Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, in under two weeks which um does concern me a little bit, but I will, you know, give some... Maxime Lamaldini will have him in his back pocket. Well, maybe, maybe, but I am a little bit concerned to say the least. So Fulham certainly need to pull their figure out um, from, from that point of view. But anyway, we've got so many questions to get through uh, and we spent a bit longer uh, in this section than I hoped. So we're going to get into that right now. Hi, I'm Rachel Thomas, CEO of LeanIn.org and host of Tilted, a Lean In podcast, urging you to A-cast your vote in the upcoming election on November 3rd. Not sure you're registered? Check out Vote.org for your voter status and details on how to make sure your voice is heard on election day. And if you're looking to brush up on the issues, you should give Vote the podcast a listen. Andrea Haley and Kat Calvin, executive directors of Vote.org, and Spread the Vote answer all your voting questions. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for an awesome Fulhamish gift, or maybe some clobber for yourself, we've got a great range of Fulham and Fulhamish merch like t-shirts, mugs, and posters, with all proceeds going towards the future running of Fulhamish. Check it out at fullermish.co.uk forward slash shop. 
Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here and I'm joined by George Cooper. Hello. George Singer. Hello, hello. And Don Betts. Hello, hello. Um, so a couple of things to, to tell you about. First of all is... Um, if you want some more transfer goss, then um, do check out the Fulhamish website. Uh, Frankie Taylor uh, has been doing this series of kind of fantasy transfers uh, for Fulham and who he thinks we we could sign. Uh, and they're really, really sensible, actually. Just some different options uh, for each area of the pitch about who Fulham could sign from goalkeeper, defenders, midfielders, attackers as well. Uh, and they're all live now. So head to fulhamish.co.uk. Right. Uh, let's get into some of your questions. Uh, and we'll head to uh, some of our Kofi backers first. Uh, thank you to all of our Kofi backers as as usual. Um, let's go to Matt Pollard. And he brings up a point that I made just before the break. Are we okay at centre-back? Hector's great, but Ream's getting older and Mawson couldn't seem to stay healthy. Need the back line to be better this time around if we want to stay up. Um, Singer, this is really a concern for me. But I know there are some people thinking that Alfie Mawson could be the answer. I know certainly Jack Collins uh, is very much in this camp of thinking that Alfie does have a future at Fulham if he can just get himself fit. I'm worried though, if that's what we're relying on going into a Premier League season. I I would definitely agree um, on the, the fitness piece. I mean, that's my issue is essentially less with what he can do when he's on the pitch and a, a bit more like actually being fit and staying on the pitch. Like think how many, is it a few knee surgeries that he's had? I can't remember exactly. Correct me if you, if you remember what, what injury issues he's had, but classically with players who tend to have lots of, um, lots of injury problems, they tend to continue having them. Um, so certainly if we can't trust him to play a full season across the last kind of, two or three years, uh, I really worry whether he'll be able to do the same uh, here as well. Um, and also, I think with uh, with the defensive, um, I assume we're, we're going to assume here that um, Hector is, is one of the starting centre-backs. I think probably it's worth thinking about um, finding a partner that, that suits Hector. Um, if we think a little bit back to the, the Hangland and Hughes days, um, I think what what works really well with those two is kind of the the stopper versus cover, um, if you uh, if you like football manager um, uh, kind of nature of the way that they played with Hangland stepping up a bit and uh, you know uh, and blocking blocking attacks before they get going and Hughes being the one who would um, kind of drop a bit deeper and uh, almost act like a mini sweeper. So I think for me. Um, I'd quite like to see a new centre-back come in who can complement Hector and, you know, fill mm. in some of the gaps that maybe Hector can do. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm not necessarily convinced that Bream, LeMarchand, Mawson or Adoy are, are that player, personally. Yeah. No, I'd certainly be worried about them starting the season. Uh, Dom, I'll move on to you. This is from Will Lyon, uh, again from our Kofi Backers group. Uh, said, be linked with a few strikers so far. Uh, if you could choose one to partner Mitra up top, who would that be? I don't necessarily know if we'd play with two strikers, but regardless. He says, personally would love Callum Wilson if Spurs don't nab him first. Still think we lack genuine pace across the squad. And obviously, we saw what happened in the playoffs. We played without Mitrovic and... Um, I, I 
I did listen to an interesting interview with Ted Knutson on the Besotted podcast, who finally released a podcast uh, <laughs> a good three or four weeks after their defeat in the playoff final. It took Billy the Bee a few weeks just to muster up that enthusiasm to, to record a podcast again, uh, which was joyful to see. I don't think Laney had quite recovered yet. Uh, honestly that podcast after their first podcast back if you enjoy drinking tears then just it's it's wonderful um anyway we saw in those playoffs how we coped about Mitrovic and Ted Knutson who is uh from Stats Bomb and a real Stats whiz said that actually he thinks that the fact that we didn't have Mitrovic in that final was a key thing for us and we actually were able to stop the way that Brentford played we we found a way to win without Mitrovic and is there times this season that we're gonna have to accept that actually Mitrovic won't be the right player for a certain game and therefore a player like the ilk of Callum Wilson could actually offer us real real value in the squad yeah, I think if I'm looking at a striker that I'd like to bring in, I'd agree with Callum Wilson. Just obviously the, the two main linked ones have, have been obviously Callum Wilson and obviously Ollie Watkins have been linked as well. But I, I, I just would like, I'd rather go for Callum Wilson, but I can't see Callum Wilson coming in and playing second fiddle um, to Mitrovic. I'd, I think he'd be expected to play most weeks, especially with obviously the Euros next summer. He's made a few English squads in the last season or so. So I think I, I'd love to get, Callum Wilson in but I don't quite see him choosing us I think he's either going to if he's going to play second fiddle he's going to be doing it at top six top eight club as opposed to a team fighting relegation and, and he could, I mean we could start both of them up front we could end up playing with, with wing backs and be playing in a 5-3-2 who knows but yeah no, I, I personally yeah love, love to get Callum Wilson in but I can I can see if we were to say Ollie Watkins let's say I can see him coming in and not saying accepting playing less football, but maybe me more understanding of it and maybe have that sort of desire to push and want to become our, our first strike or maybe form a duo with Mitrovic up front. Both of them scored, together, I think, over 50 goals in the championship last season. So, um, yeah, I think I, I think this type of strike I do want, though, is someone who has got pace, who, who can r- run off the last man and run in behind this, as opposed, because obviously we're linked with Patrick Schick from Roma, who spent last season on loan at RB Leipzig. He, I mean, he didn't have a bad season. He got, I think, 10 goals in 20 games or something, but he had Nkunku and uh, Timo Werner ahead of him. But he's definitely, he's, he's more of an all-round striker who's maybe not got the pace in behind. But I think the striker we should definitely be looking for is definitely someone in the sort of Callum Wilson mould if we don't go for him anyway. Yeah. Um, let's come on to the next question from Becky Capon, um, who says, what are your thoughts on the proposed ticketing once fans are able to return? And Coops, um, the club did um, an article that went out yesterday about kind of what their plans are for the season. And they said basically they won't be doing season tickets because I think they've just looked at the situation, realised how condensed the cottage is and how few tickets they're going to be able to sell and that almost having season tickets is pointless. Of course, I think they've said that once season tickets are back in place, then your position as a season ticket holder will be secure and they're going to be doing admission just through general ballots um and i imagine it's going to be a very very limited capacity i've seen some dismay on twitter about this process i don't really know what else they could use do. loyalty points maybe the one time loyalty points would actually be relevant they decided not to use them because realistically and when they're used for an away game like brentford they're used more to stagger the tickets as opposed to, oh, you do need loads. Of, like, I, I, I do reckon for Brentford, if 
you can most likely most likely get a ticket. Whereas I feel like this would be the only one of the only times we're actually having a certain amount of loyalty. I'm not saying all of it done on loyalty points. I'm not saying this. I'm saying maybe 30, 30% or 40% of them done on a loyalty point basis because when else is me having 1,300 loyalty points going to be going to going to be relevant i guess i guess from my point of view dom is i don't think the loyalty point system works at all of course it's i think great it does if you if you if you've had a scene to get since 2010 and you even if you don't go to many away games like my dad's had a scene to get since the loyalty point system has started and he's got 850 and he does maybe one away game a season well that's the I, point your dad goes to one away game a season and has more loyalty points than me because but, i but, didn't have a season ticket while then, i was at then university there, that is that is just in even in even other clubs, that's the sort of that's the way a loyalty point system works, and it is. I still think, I know it's obviously it would obviously work in my favour, but I still think there should have been a way to let's say even not. I'm not even saying like loyalty points, but someone who's had a scene to get for five years having priority over someone who's had a scene to get for one year. Mm, I guess maybe, but I I personally don't seem. Uh... I think it's just really, really hard. And I, I think the loyalty point system has been broken for a while. There's there's too many people that have had a season ticket for 12 years, never go to an away game that have more loyalty points than um, uh, maybe a youngster who's been to every away game for the past three or four years because it's there's no kind of cutoff date for it. And it, it should you shouldn't be rewarded for your loyalty 10 years ago. I do think it should be revamped, but I do think there should have been something in place that prioritises more law fans over someone who's just had a scene to get someone could literally just had a scene to get from last year and could end up going technically to more games than someone who's been going home and away for the last five years. I think there should have been mm. something in place that rewarded fans who have been loyal over the last few years. I don't know. Mm. I don't know whether that is loyalty points, but loyalty points is the only system we've got in place already that could, could yeah. be done to reward that. Indeed. I just, I just think there should have been something to, as I said, reward fans who have been loyal over over the last you know five six years there needs to be a, a combination of the two so you have a, a, a weightier um sort of uh point system if you if you're going to current games and you've been to a lot of away games last season and then but also obviously it needs to take into account these old timers that have had season tickets since you know exactly, yeah. way back when but i mean it's, it, it's it can't be complicated there must be some sort of i mean doing i'm sure there are other clubs that that do the system as well as it can be i mean singer why don't you just knock up an algorithm and then send it over to the club i'm sure you could do one in no time easy mate <laughs> the other thing i i think we probably need to keep an eye on is okay when the tickets do come out what about the prices like the club do have a bit of a precedent as to we know when matches are going to be popular they hike the ticket price up like if you think supply and demand there's way more people that want tickets then are going to be able to get them. I, I don't know. Call me a cynic, but I, I'm I'm going to be interested to see what the clubs start charging for these. You know, hopefully the club will do the right thing, and you know, at the end of the day, they know they're going to lose. Well, I, I, I say over one it, thing. So. I say they, they should do is I know I know there's not going to be no away fans, so just keep it at the thirty pound cap. Like that would make that make well, sense for everyone. I know they're not going to do it because they're going to, if you have a top six side at home, they're probably going to charge us fifty quid. But I think that I just I just think yeah, just I think it should the, the league should it should have it. I know some fans will maybe be sitting in a more expensive seat than another because you know, obviously the way fans are going to be socially distanced. But I think the league should have set a precedent before this, introducing let's say the away fans cap for 
these games and it should be you, the club can't charge them more than 30 quid because because the, th- the, th- the problem is the, the, the club know because it's limited and everyone's going to want a ticket people are going to pay pretty much whatever they can to go yeah and, and this worries me because actually there was there was a paragraph in the most recent Fulham Supporters Trust um, update from August and actually this didn't get any attention online and I thought it was a pretty shocking one. It said the club stressed that the significant hit on revenue being experienced by the lack of spectators would put inevitable pressure on pricing and the trust had to say in a season's time you're going to have 30,000 tickets to sell you're going to have an expanded stand with all manner of revenue opportunities and they even had to tell the club the impact of the current economic situation on a number of supporters the fact that the club weeks after winning the most expensive game in football can't acknowledge that there is a a recession on right now that there are thousands of Fulham fans right now who have probably either lost their jobs or have had huge economic strain to then think oh we just need to oik up the prices because we haven't had many fans through the ground yet we just won promotion to the richest league in the world so that they can get an extra few pennies to pay the wages of one player probably for about a week just like rethink your priorities rethink your public image and perception before you say stupid things like that sorry actually really annoyed me when i saw that and i'm just glad i've had a moment to say that because it really really you know come on fulham i mean it's not surprising is it no i know I think there's there's not a lot we can we can do until we see the first prices coming out so i think that's you know, that'll be the proof of the pudding. Uh, until that happens, we're, we're just making guesses. So, you know, yeah. let, let's wait and see the prices before we comment further, I think. Thomas Gordon says, which player that we have been linked with would be your first choice as a transfer in? In brackets, could even be Gerard Piquet. Uh, Coop's possibly my favourite rumour for Fulham in a long time, the Gerard Piquet. <laughs> uh, if you had to make just one signing out of everyone we've been rumoured, uh, who would you go for? Um, in short, I'd, I'd say Chris Smalling. I think he'd yes. be. I think he'd be a. I mean, we desperately need a centre back. I think he'd be a great pairing for Michael Hector. I think they complement. Um, they. I mean, they, they are quite similar in 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 the way that they play. However, I just feel that they would make a, a very very solid partnership. And it'd be great to see him back at the club. That. Um, I mean, I, it was a Maidstone beforehand, wasn't it? But you know. We we were a, a stepping stone, but I I just thought he had a great attitude, and he's got. I feel like he'll have a point to prove, and um and it just sort of made sense to me. So I'd, I'd go for Chris Smalling of all the ones. Obviously, PK. I just kind of I loved it when Tony Khan came out and basically fake news um, that that, uh, that rumor really made me laugh. But it's just it was just that was vintage silly season, wasn't it? Like you don't get much better yeah. than that. And it, it yeah. the, the fact that that rumor got so much traction just blows my mind because it was just so just out there but um but yeah no i go for chris morning in short it will be it'll be the jamaican center about you because i think chris morning's of jamaican descent as well yeah and we've got bobby as well Uh, the jamaican football team uh right um raheel says do you think there is an advantage that the window shuts a month into the season as opposed to before it starts uh i think we saw a lot of panic buying last time around as we didn't know what to expect so try to cover all bases uh that's a sensible point there for raheel what, what I find interesting about this is obviously the windows sort of separate into two sections because I believe bringing in players from abroad, the deadline shuts earlier and then later on it's open for you know transfers to be done between us, other Premier League teams and other football league clubs. And I've 
we obviously it's changed in the, in the last 12 months or so but we, in the Premier League last time we did tend to buy a lot of our players coming in from abroad so obviously we won't have that long to bring in if we're looking at players from other leagues but if we're looking if we're looking at the players we're linked with the likes of Ollie Watkins the likes of Matty Cash these are players we can sign until October so there's no obviously there's a rush to get them done because obviously you want all your signings preferably in your squad before the season starts but a lot of players we're linked with are other players within the with, with, in in England, so either in the Premier League or the Championship, but so I think it, 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 there is there, and obviously we can we, we can start the season for the first couple of weeks, and if there's quite an obvious place where we need to sign players, then we can see uh, we can still sort of dip into the market. So I think it, although it's it's it, it's not saying necessarily it's going to work into our favour because every team can do it. It's not like something we can do, and 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 no one else can. So it'd be very interesting to see how the market sort of reacts to it being open, you know, a, m- a month and a half into the season starting. But yeah, no, it, it is handy to see that. Oh, we can clear if there is a, a very a very obvious position where we need to improve. We do have that time to do so. But I've always been of the opinion that I don't. I'm not. I've never been a fan of bringing when when the window's obviously going to the end of August. I'm not. I'm not necessarily a fan of bringing players in once season started. I actually quite liked having to get all your transfer business done before the season started. Yes there's always that rush but whenever there's a deadline there's always going to be a rush I don't think it matters when it is couple more questions before we finish uh, this one from Angus made me laugh if City sign Messi do we go for Reem or Le Marchand at left centre-back Coops? <laughs> I would oh, I'd back Reem against Messi any day he'd have a back pocket back pocket for the whole game um, yeah we'll go for Reem I, I reckon he'd uh, he'd give Messi a run for his money surely do you reckon? It'd be right. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'd almost like to see it happen from a really sadistic point of view. Like I don't know, maybe putting a worm into like a rat's cage or something like that, just to see can it survive? Can it can it adapt to the situation? Can the it? Answer is no. Can, um. can, can it survive amongst adversity? Yeah, I think you'd have to. It would be a write-off that game, and it's just kind of just for sheer entertainment value, I guess. We see what happens, but yeah, it's, it, it it makes me feel a bit sick thinking about that. <laughs> see, weirdly, it doesn't make me feel sick if Lionel Messi is playing for Manchester City. I, I mean, hopefully, at this point, Fulham wouldn't be in a really horrible relegation battle. If we were just thirteenth, fairly safe by the time Man City come to town and Lionel Messi's playing for them, I would actually sit back in the Hammersmith end, grab my bucket of popcorn and just enjoy whatever happens like yeah, it would I mean, be that much of an honour to see Lionel Messi play against Fulham Football Club the thought of Messi gracing the, the cottage turf is is obviously an exciting prospect but I just feel for Tim Ream I just I you know I love the guy I just I wouldn't want to put anyone through that let alone, let alone play a, a long servant but uh, yeah I can I get what you're saying in terms of it would just be um, an, an honour to watch him play but, yeah, uh, yeah, exciting. Nonetheless, like I'm, um, bring it on. Like I can't, I can't wait. Well, there's loads we didn't have time to get through today. Fortunately, uh, we're going to be doing another podcast next week, so hopefully we'll get round to doing uh, a few more of your questions. Uh, it feels like we didn't mention today that Fulham did actually play a friendly yesterday, uh, a two-two draw with MK Dons at Motsma Park. Um, Tom Kearney and Abubakar Kamara scored. So make of that what you will. Um, I don't think there's too much you could really read into it apart from a few players getting a, a, a welcome few minutes after the shortest uh, post-season break of all time. So as I say, we'll be back next week. I just, of course, want to say thank you and goodbye to my guest today, George Cooper. Oh, cheers. Thanks. Yeah, have a good week, guys. George Singer, when he comes off mute. Hello. Thanks, Sammy. 
thank you. Oh, that's why he put himself on mute. The grandfather clock in his house is going off in the background. So he put himself can you, on mute. Can you hear that? Does it, does it get picked yeah. up? Springer lives in a, in a haunted castle and he's got a grandfather clock. I do. This is my workstation as well. So um, it, it confuses all the my, my work colleagues on Zoom as well. But wait, wait, just one thing, Singer. Um, it's it's five past the hour. So why is the grandfather clock going off now? That's an excellent question. I think... Um, is it five minutes slow? it back five minutes is going to be on my to-do list for today. <laughs> okay. Why am I thinking the grandfather clock? Yeah, what else do you do on a bank holiday weekend? <laughs> I was like, either that or does the grandfather clock go off every five minutes, which would surely be some kind of torture. <laughs> Yeah, no, thankfully it's it's on the hour. It's just a it's just five past the hour. Five minutes <laughs> slow, but but okay. you know, I'm in a village right now. Things run a bit slow here. I was going to say, how annoying must that be? Um, a clock that tells you every time it's five minutes past the hour. Uh, and Don Betts, thank you very much. It's all right. Okay, Jack will be back on Monday. Thank you very much for listening today. Come on, you whites. You whites. This is Sally Helm from the History This Week podcast, encouraging you to A-cast your vote in the upcoming election on November 3rd. If you're not sure if you're registered, you can check out vote.org for your voter status and details about how to make sure your voice is heard on election day. And if you're looking to brush up on issues that impact us around the globe, you should have listened to The World This Week. It is a timely look at what's been happening around the world and why it matters. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.